Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 20th of November, 2023, the 7th of Kislev 5784, coming to you from Gush Etzion, just south of Jerusalem. The hills of Judea, that is where we are here, south of the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Hope you are safe, hope you are well. In your part of the world, I've been a little bit out of commission the last couple of weeks, not recording, very, very busy. But now we are back, and uh, as we did a few weeks ago, we had a very special guest on the show, the one and only Eve Harrow, host of Rejuvenation here on the Land of Israel Network. She's also the director of tourism and education for the One Israel Fund, and also a brilliant tour guide in her own right. Eve, welcome back to the show. Hope you are well. Hope you are safe. I am well. Uh, how safe I am? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> we'll know at some yeah. point. Yeah, it's really, yeah. Um, thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, thanks so much. It's uh, Unfortunately, you know, we have that feeling too. You don't know when, as I'm looking at my phone right now with rockets being launched at northern Israel right now, uh, right. you don't know when the rockets are going to fall here in Gush Etzion. I should say more accurately, when Hamas is going to launch Rockets here at Gush Etzion. There have been uh, numerous attacks in Judea and Samaria. We had a deadly uh, uh, shooting, actually, on the tunnel road connecting Gush Etzion to Jerusalem the other day. Yesterday, just to summarize, yesterday in Samaria, there was a, a miracle, really. It was a shooting attempt on several cars on Highway 5, the main east-west route through Judea and Samaria. Thank God, miraculously, and no injuries there. And then, of course, we have our brave soldiers who are fighting on, on two fronts, in Gaza itself and fighting in the north. Um, I guess that somewhat summarizes it. There is really action, uh, for better or for worse, taking place uh, throughout the country, really. Yep. I was on that road, road number five. I was just on 24 hours earlier. Um, we were in Eli but with my daughter for Shabbat, and we went to a funeral in Petach Tikva of a 97-year-old. It was actually a joyous funeral, right? This 97-year-old lived a full life, Holocaust survivor, rebuilt her life, built a beautiful family. And these days, to go to a funeral of a 97-year-old is really like a feeling like, wow, we would all sign on that. Um, so we were on that road. That's road number five that goes from the Shomron into Petach Tikva. And just exactly 24 hours before, um, we were there. I mean, I, we were driving, I, you know, I had my gun out, but, um, trying very hard to not let fear dictate what we do, uh, go where we need to go. If the road is open, if the army is on it, then we're on it because, um, we are not going to let the bad guys control every facet of our lives. It's too much what they control as it is. And we have to make sure that we put the brakes on uh, whenever we possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Cannot live in fear. Cannot let the bad guys win. Cannot let them win the psychological battle. And that's what terrorism really is trying to get into our heads. Let's talk about, uh, what's going on, what we do know or don't know from the South, our brave IDF soldiers are in Gaza right now. And and again, I don't have any insider military or government information. All I know is what I see via reliable media sources. But yeah. what is your sense in terms of how the war is going overall in Gaza? Unfortunately, we are on a regular basis, daily, bearing brave soldiers. I think it's, you know, 60-some soldiers have given their lives for the state of Israel and the Jewish people. But aside from that horrible uh, point, how do you 
What's your overall impression on, on how the war is going in Aza? Um, it seems like the military goals are being met or even exceeded. Uh, our soldiers are incredible. I mean, they really are. They, they know they're fighting a just war. They know that they're fighting really the ultimate battle of good against evil. This isn't a war for land or a war for money or a war for control of gas fields or anything like that. This is a war against people whose entire raison d'etre, the entire reason that they exist is to destroy us. And so there is nothing, um, more moral than the war that Israel is fighting right now. And, uh, the soldiers definitely feel that and, and touch not just with my own kids, but with other people. And they definitely feel that. Um, what's disturbing for me is that it seems that, and again, you know, who am I to know the pressures that face the powers that be, but it seems like perhaps we are endangering our soldiers in order to protect the so-called um, Hamas civilians. And I don't know if there's really anything like that. Uh, the podcast that I did last week was Ev McGann. He spoke about the, I mean, the, their entire society is inculcated with this hatred. So it's very hard to parse out and say that Hamas is controlling a population that is otherwise, um, you know, just like they're, they're suffering more than anybody else. Um, and that's not where I'm sitting right now. I don't, I, I you know, I don't know where you're sitting, but I, I'm feeling like there are no innocents over there right now. I'm really sorry for the children, but they're living with people who are using them as human shields. And many of them have also been inculcated to feel that the best thing they can ever do is grow up to be a jihadist. And I don't think that our soldiers' lives, uh, should be in any way endangered in order to protect the population of an enemy. Is, do you think this is an unreasonable way of thinking? Am I just like being overload Jewish mom? No, 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 absolutely not. I mean, I saw a stat, I think on, I think it was I-24 News saying something like 86% of the Arabs who are under either PA or Hamas control uh, were in favor of the October 7th massacre. So that is, you know, you're talking about, I, I don't know the exact population stat in terms of how many Arabs there are in Judea, Samaria, and Gaza, but you're talking about millions of people. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's 86% who supported that horrible, horrible massacre on the 7th. So, you know, that's number one. And I couldn't agree with you more. You know, we've said this in previous wars and previous battles before that the lives of our soldiers should be valued over civilians, civilians on the other side. And, and again, I don't know, you know, militarily, if that is the case, I, you know, I hope and I pray that uh, our political leadership and our IDF leadership are doing everything in their power to ensure the safety and security of our troops over over those civilians. And, you know, Israel is known as the most moral army in the, in the world. And that being said, is there such thing as too moral? And that becomes immoral. Exactly. If, yeah. If, in fact, you are, again, I'm not saying that's the case, but if, in fact, you are endangering your soldiers, I think that becomes immoral. If you put the lives of the soldiers, uh, you know, uh, secondary and the lives of their so-called civilians on the first hand. And again, you know, maybe that 14 percent uh, of Gazans, they in fact are against Hamas and one out and have to be quiet because they know if they open their mouth to mouth to Hamas, then right. they'll be executed. Um, and that's something, by the way, if you if you're on social media, I mean, I highly recommend you stay off. Uh, places like uh, Twitter or X or whatever it's called, unless you want to be really, really upset. Because right. it, it definitely seems that uh, the majority of the voices on that platform are against Israel and are 
basically openly supporting Hamas, because anyone now who says the words the words ceasefire and claims they really want peace, they don't want peace. Anyone saying ceasefire is either an idiot or, in fact, is supporting Hamas and knows that ceasefire equals Hamas staying in power with just, with, with, with sorry, which just makes the lives of both Jews and Muslims and living in Gaza miserable. So anybody who says ceasefire right now is not a friend, is a Hamas shrill, is a Hamas supporter, and does not want to see true peace in the long term. So that's just some of the experiences I'm having trying to fight the, the battle, you know, from my couch on, on social media <laughs> via Twitter, doing the best that I can since I'm not a soldier myself. But, you know, there is the propaganda war. Um, and what one thing I think that is the most frightening, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, I mean, it's this, you know, you had Holocaust denial and you still have it today, but now you have, I don't know if there's a term for it, I guess it's called, you know, Hamas denial, where, you know, whereas Hamas themselves were proud of the massacre they carried out and filmed the whole thing. You have people sticking up for Hamas, claiming that it wasn't really that bad, that maybe Israeli gunships actually killed people at the party. And maybe uh, babies' heads uh, were not cut off by Hamas and really trying to minimize the atrocities being carried out by Hamas. And these people are sick and they're loud. And again, I have no way of measuring the stats, but they're all over the place. And I know I know Israel has friends and we do have friends all over the world, but these people are loud and they're making a uh, making a lot of noise, whether on social media or out in the streets of uh, you know capitals across the world. Well, what's particularly got me upset are the women's organizations. You know, you have women's organizations out there who, if a woman gets groped, they like take the guy to court or whatever it is. And here you have Israeli women who were uh, gang raped and mutilated and not a word from these women's organizations. It's, yeah, I think there's even a, a little meme now. Uh, hashtag me too, unless you're a Jew. Yes, I saw and, that. And the hypocrisy here, you know, it's like if you're Jewish then that overrides any other sensibility, then somehow you deserve all the evil or it's, you know, it's your fault or what it's, 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 if I, if I wasn't living through it, I don't think I would believe it. You know, I would look at the history book and think, okay, maybe they're exaggerating, but we're actually living through it. We're seeing what's happening here. Uh, we're seeing that all the rules of what we would consider normal behavior or normal moral codes have flown right out the window when it comes to Israel and the barbarians that we are dealing with. And it's, you know, it's all these countries who are getting involved with Israel and telling us what to do. Like what country lets fuel in to their enemy? You know, America did not give the Japanese fuel during World War II that they actually bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I mean, like the, the scale of which other countries um, will do in order to protect themselves is something Israel is not allowed to do. If I'm not mistaken, Pakistan is in the process of throwing like 2 million Afghanis who have lived in Pakistan for decades back to their country. Nobody's saying a word. Most people don't even know what's happening. But when it comes to Israel, we're always on the front page. Everything we do is wrong. Everything has to be, you know, checked and double checked and somehow criticized. And it, it's, it's not, it's not normal. I mean, it, it makes you really wonder what there's an obsession here. There's just an absolute obsession here with Israel that just really, really makes no sense. Yeah. It's a, you know, really, really what you just said. Uh, how many people uh, were killed or murdered in Syria in the civil war? It was a half a million, if not more. You did not have protests in the streets of any capitals throughout the world. And Bashar al-Assad murdered half a million of his own people. 
where was the world when you had uh, you know literal literal genocide being carried out in in countries in Africa? There were no protests in the streets. Yes, yet Israel is attacked with more than twelve hundred dead. And then, uh, you know, people say, oh, it's a conspiracy theory. You said 1,400, now you're saying 1,200. Israel obviously <laughs> lying, making up the numbers. And what you said about, you know, where are the women's rights groups for years? You know, I've always asked, you know, where are the environmentalist groups when you have Arabs in Judea and Samaria and their villages who are setting fires and causing such such environmental damage? Right. But they're silent. The same thing here, uh, you know, even more significantly, when these you know poor Israeli Jewish women were, were raped and mutilated, and um, I haven't seen one. I mean, I see these, you know, these phony, these phony human rights groups, uh, Amnesty and Human Rights Watch, and so many branches of the UN, who are just putting up all these memes and and posts about uh, we need a ceasefire now, and and uh, children are not targets, and hospitals are not targets, and all this other nonsense, you know, and refusing to condemn Hamas, refusing to acknowledge the fact that Hamas is based in hospitals, in mosques, Credible. in schools. You have UNRWA, who is screaming at Israel for a ceasefire when these people have been uh, filling the minds of the next generation of Muslim children in Gaza with hate and anti-Israel incitement. And they're essentially a branch of Hamas. They have employees uh, work for UNRWA who are members of Hamas, and they've, you know, used their facilities to hide rockets, and they've been quiet for all these years. And all of a sudden, they're up in arms, going crazy because Israel decided to defend herself. And what you said about the fuel, yeah, I got, I got really, really upset. And I heard the prime minister Saturday night. I listened to the press conference with the prime minister and the defense minister. And the prime minister's, at least his rationalization to the general public is, if we don't provide the fuel, then they're going to be. Uh, essentially uh, uh, plagues or uh, breakouts, uh, medical, uh, you know, uh, what do you call them uh, in Gaza? They'll, they'll be, right. the, the medical situation will be uh, intolerable. Okay. And therefore, if we don't provide them fuel, his his rationale, at least publicly, was if we don't give them fuel, then uh, the, the health situation is going to be dire, both for them and it'll spill over to our troops. So that was his rationale. I don't know if I buy that or not. But I agree with you 100%. I got very, very upset by that over the weekend um, that we are supplying. I mean, if they want fuel, Egypt's right there. Go get fuel from Egypt. Uh, if, if Gazans want to get out of there, where are the, you know, 40 Muslim nations, 27 Arab countries or whatever whatever the number is? Why aren't they providing a corridor for the, the Gazans to move to those countries? And where, where is UNRWA in 75 years? Have they resettled one so-called refugee? They're, they're supposed to be a refugee organization. But no, they're holding these people there on the front lines in squalor on purpose, feeding them this hate. They're being used as, these people are being used as, not saying that they're innocent, but they're being used as pawns against Israel by the UN, by UNRWA. Um, and that's the reality. But I, I am completely against giving them one penny, any fuel. Uh, I agree with, you know, whether politically or not, Avigdor Lieberman and Bethlehem Smotrich, yes. those who are saying that we should not give them anything. So I'm going to disagree with our government on that issue. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. Like, what about our hostages? Where's the Red Cross? Why is the Red Cross not standing for Israel and saying, 
There's something like 250 hostages that we know of. And the footage that came out yesterday from the hospital shows that the, the hostages were brought into the hospital. That means the doctors and the people and the staff in the hospital are either Hamas people themselves or collaborating with Hamas against all rules of human rights. You know, Israel is being asked to follow all the rules of war to the nth degree, to a degree that nobody else follows. And it's even debatable if you talk to international legal experts, if Israel has even gone overboard and following things, you know, too strictly, uh, given and given more leeway against people who are following the rules, not at all, don't, don't care. And so where's the Red Cross here? Why are they not demanding to see the hostages and that we don't let a piece of pita into Gaza until we have our hostages. Uh, I, I just don't understand what's happening here. The issue of the hostages is ripping Israel apart. Everybody knows somebody whose family is there. There's a question mark. If they're alive, what kind of condition we're in? We keep finding bodies of hostages and, you know, and they're not publicizing it, but you have to bet that they didn't die quietly in their sleep. Okay. That's, that's not what happened to them. They probably suffered tremendously and are suffering tremendously. And, and the world, the world doesn't care. And, uh, and it's also, I would imagine, and speaking to soldiers, dictating to a certain degree, dictating how we're fighting this war. Um, you know, and like you can't just blow up the tunnels because what if the hostages are in the tunnels? You know, so there are so many things that are happening here and the world is screaming and yelling at Israel, but they're certainly not doing their part um, by any rules whatsoever in order to help Israel out of this. And yeah, if everybody's so worried, let's open the border to Egypt. Let's take them out to Egypt, either to resettle them or to at least put them there until the Hamas is wiped out. And then we can have the discussion. But again, the word hypocrisy just keeps coming up in double standard and the world really doesn't care. You know what, Josh, I've come to believe that the world doesn't will not let Israel win. If we come to a point where we're still listening to the world's opinion, when we are really at an existential impasse at some point, um, I believe that the world doesn't want Israel to win. If we solve this issue with the so-called Palestinians, then there is no reason to hate Israel and there is no reason to just not let Israel thrive. And so I, I, I believe that the, the world, whether they realize it or not, wants to keep this conflict going. Um, and as Israelis, you and I, and raising children here and grandchildren here, that's not really where we're going with this. We have all our skin in this game, uh, as do millions of other people. And at some point, we're probably going to reach that point where the world is telling us one thing, and Israelis are going to have to decide if world opinion matters to us or winning and living matters more. Um, and I, I could see that happening at some point within the next few weeks or months. Yeah, uh, you know, the longer this goes on, the more and more voices out there will try to force Israel's hand, force Israel to stop. But uh, we have to we have to be strong. And, and this time, you know, we've been down this road in 2009 and 2012, 2014, 21. Ever since, of course, we made the horrible mistake of leaving Gaza, uh, evicting 9000 people, 10,000 people from their homes, exhuming the, all the bodies uh, dismantling Gush Katif and those communities there, one of the most, you know, horrible mistakes, perhaps in all of Jewish history, uh, certainly in the history of the modern state of Israel. Um, and now we're paying the price and, and our enemies were waiting and waiting and building up their arsenal for all these years. And finally, on October 7th, it all literally exploded in our faces from previous decisions. And again, I, you know, we're still fighting a war and I hate to point fingers this and that, but I still uh, am hopeful and optimistic that we will go back and have a permanent 
permanent place in Gaza, rebuild Gush Katif, realize that we made a terrible mistake and we can go back. And that's not my point. I'm not here to, at this point to, uh, there will be fear pointing certainly down the road in a big way. Sure. Once we look into how October 7th happened, but it's, uh, the fact that we do have troops in, in Aza right now, I think it's fair to say that we need to stay there forever. We need to uh, undo that horrible mistake. And we always have to have a presence in, in that area of the world. And in terms of um, uh, the battle uh, overall, you know, 4,000 years we've been going through this. And as the, the phrase goes, you know, we survived Paro, we survived the Pharaoh, we'll survive this as well. We overcame with tremendous losses, of course, the Holocaust and the Inquisition and all the massacres against our people for thousands of years. And while we do have friends in the world, we certainly do have friends. The Jews do have friends. Um, you know, if the majority is, is against us. We do have uh, we do have the man upstairs. We do have the one up above who, who made a promise to our forefathers. And of course, we're, we're reading about these uh, these stories in the Bible right now. In the book of uh, Bereshit, Genesis, we're reading about the, the promises God made to the Jewish people. It's crazy how we're, you know, as we're fighting this war, we're literally reading about our history that no matter how bad things are, no matter how bad we have it, um, we will always overcome. We will always survive. The Romans are gone. The Babylonians are gone. All of those who were seeking our destruction, they are gone and, and we are still here. So we have to we have to hope and believe and know that uh, we are going to overcome this, too. Um, Eve, I think that's uh, we're going to think we're going to wrap it up for today. I know that you okay. have to prepare for your show, right? For tomorrow, rejuvenation. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do my podcast tomorrow. But it's always great to talk to you, Josh. You have uh, really any, any guests uh, tomorrow planned? Yes, I um, I asked uh, Rav Chaim uh, Navon, whose column I read religiously in Makori Shon every week. He lives in Modi'in. Modi'in, by the way, has taken a tremendous hit. Uh, so many soldiers from Modi'in have been killed. And, you know, we're coming up on Hanukkah. You mentioned, of course, the Hebrew date of uh, the 7th of Kislev, the 8th of Kislev now. So we're coming up on the holiday of Hanukkah in about two and a half weeks. And, of course, the Maccabees, the Hashmonim, they come from Modi'in. There's like all these really eerie connections, really, if you think about it. Um, the Jew, you know, Jews, Hebrew speaking Jews, once again, you know, fighting against an enemy for independence and for being able to live a free Jewish life in our promised land. There are so many, as with the, the weekly portion, there are no coincidences and you can see signs all around you talk about the man upstairs, but he, he sends telegrams to us all the time. We're always talking to him, but it turns out. That he's also talking back. So Rav Chaim Navon is a very interesting, um, very interesting thinker. He's also a teacher at the Yeshivat Haaretzion, what's known as Gush in Alon Shvut, many of whose, uh, graduates are also fighting and many of whom have fallen. And, uh, just a word here, the, the head of the Yeshiva, Rav Yaakov Medan, who's a tremendous Torah scholar, his son was not killed 10 days ago. He was very badly injured. His legs were blown off and he had tremendous abdominal injuries. 
and uh, I believe he is out of danger of dying, but he certainly, his life uh, was very much changed because of the war here. So, you know, we talk about those who were killed, and I think we also have to leave a prayer for those who were wounded and who will be in wheelchairs for the rest of their life and who have to a great degree sacrificed so much as have their families uh, in order that Israel should win this battle. So Chaim Navon, I, I followed him for a long time. I've had him on before. I like how he thinks. Um, you know, he, he does a lot of um, he does a lot of introspection of the camp that you and I belong to, I would say, ideologically, what's called the Datilumi, or the people who try as best as we can to keep our traditions, to, to keep our Torah, and also live in the modern world, and are very much overrepresented in the army in terms of the population. And many it's many of our men and boys who are paying the price for this war as well. Um, and I think over a third of the casualties come from Judea and Samaria. So that just shows the love of the land and the willingness to make the sacrifices in order to protect this, our country and our people. Um, so I want to, I want to talk to him. His columns have been very interesting. He usually goes beyond just the, you know, the chatter that you hear from other people and, uh, and is a very deep thinker. So I'm really honored. He, we found it a time early in the morning and I'm hoping that, that he'll be able to guest tomorrow and, and I'll have some, you know, some insights from somebody who's, uh, really, you know, who, for whom I have tremendous respect. Yeah. Sounds very good. And, That's the plan. And as you just said, yeah, let's, uh, let's continue the tefillot, the prayers for those who are wounded. Let's pray for the welfare of our soldiers, our IDF soldiers, our brave men and women in the IDF, and all the security forces. May they do right. the, uh, may do the job and come home to their families safely. Um, Amen. On that note, just want to say uh, thank you to uh, Eve for coming on the show. <laughs> Always. The only good things. And uh, shout out to Tabitha Epstein for everything she does behind the scenes. Benjamin Bresky, engineer extraordinaire. And you can get in touch with me during the week, Josh at thelandofisrael.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, that's how you can find me. Let's only hear good things between now and when we speak again. Please, God, next Monday, everyone in the, in the wonderful world of ours, be safe. Keep those prayers coming. We need them here in Israel. Thank you for your support. And um, please, God, we'll talk again next week. Thanks so much, Eve. My pleasure. And, uh, have a great week, everyone. Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Have a great week, everyone.